0: Rachel here and you're listening to Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. We're going to hear stories of success and failure as people share how they've exponentially grown their business through building a team. My goal, help you achieve success you've only dreamed about through the power of outsourcing. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Checking Off Your List with Rachel Luther. I am sitting here with Amy Franco, and she is a sales expert. I've been able to know of her for quite a few years now. And we are going to talk about what it looks like to sell when you are not a salesperson, which I would say most of us entrepreneurs are not. That is something that I felt I was thrown into. I started a business and now I have to sell it. So let's. Gain from Amy's experience here. So Amy, thank you so much for hopping onto the podcast today. Thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself and just kind of
1: your journey and how you've grown your business? absolutely. So so my start in my career is um I got my start in technology. Okay. so for the first ten years of my career, I worked uh, in large technology companies. So I worked for IBM. I worked for Lenovo, and I had all uh, client-facing, uh, sales-related roles. So so that was my background. And then um, after about 10 years, I mm-hmm. took a big pivot into entrepreneurship and took, a, took what some people might call a sharp right turn. And I actually started a, a, an organization, a professional services organization, if you will, that was focused on learning and development. So okay. I had the opportunity to get into a completely different field. And um, so I have, I've built that business over the last 15 years. And like any good entrepreneur will know, the business morphs and changes and evolves over that time. Sure. And uh, what it looks like today is a really fun intersection of all the things I love to do. So... I primarily work with mid market sized organizations. So maybe a company that's on you know on the low end, maybe a 25 million dollar company, and on the high end they might be a billion dollar company, mm-hmm. which is a really wide range. <laughs> and I, I work across a variety of industries, but primarily what I do is I work with CEOs, founders, and their sales teams to help improve sales performance through strategy and through skill development primarily. So, so that, that's a little bit of the 20,000-foot view of, of my work. And um, when I'm not doing those things, I am also the board chair for Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland. So I, I get my leadership fix in uh, through, through my nonprofit work. That is awesome. Now, one of the things that you said that I'm curious about, you made a
0: major pivot and so many entrepreneurs do that. They, they make a major right turn, I think is what you said. Yeah. What drove you to do that? If you don't mind me asking, like what made you go, oh, I want
1: to completely change? No, not at all. And um, it, sometimes I, I say that that's a, that's a cocktail question, but I'll, I'll, try, I'll try, to a, <laughs> try to give you the short answer here. Um, you know, when I think about that journey and I look back and I think about just even, you know, obviously before I started my career. I always kind of knew in my DNA that I would either start something or lead something. Yeah, I'm the oldest of five. I have four younger sisters. so, yeah, you so I got know. a lot of leadership lessons early in life and uh, I played a lot of sports as a kid. Um, okay. so, so learning learning that value of teamwork and competition and uh, and, and go, going after the wins, if you will. So when but but specific to your question, I had been wanting to break out into entrepreneurship yeah. while I was in my sales career, and I had no idea what that would look like. Like probably a lot of entrepreneurs, but yeah, I had, for sure. I, yeah, I had the opportunity to um, to get into the learning and development field through mm-hmm. a few friends and colleagues. And again, like many entrepreneurs, I'm fully self-funded, boot self-financed, mm-hmm. bootstrapped, all of that. And um, I had the opportunity to get into this different field. And it was something I was passionate about anyway. I love learning new things. I'm very much into learning and development for myself. So it made a lot of sense to me that if I was going to make this big change, that this would be a great field for me to experiment in. Well, And you said
0: that a lot of what you do now, your business is made up of all the things that you love doing. Yeah. And I think that's an entrepreneur's dream in so many ways. And that's what I try to do with the podcast and with Check Off Your List, like let people fill their day with the things that they love doing. And whatever yeah. that looks like for them, it's different for each person. You and I have different days, I'm sure, but we love them and we're passionate about them. And it makes it so much easier to get up in the morning in my mind, like it's just so much easier.
1: And I, I love that, that you were able totally. to put that together. Yep. And uh, and one of the things I'll share, this is maybe a little bit of a, of a tangent, is mm-hmm. about, I don't know, seven, eight years ago, I've kind of lost track of the time. Uh, seven, eight years ago, I really wasn't happy with my business mm-hmm. and where it was at. Mm-hmm. So if anybody is watching or listening to this and you're maybe, you feel maybe kind of a little bit stuck, like, hey, I've, mm-hmm. I've created something that I'm not 100% happy with. That's where I was at, you know, seven, eight, nine years ago. I was feeling I wasn't feeling energized by the work that I was doing, and so to your point of you know wanting to jump out of bed and and get (laughs) get to the work uh, I was doing, I was not in that place. And I have a really unscientific way of knowing that I need to make a change when I when I get to Sunday and I'm not looking forward at all to the work week. That and I've created the work week. <laughs> that, that that that's uh, that's a signal.
0: That was my signal, anyway. Yes, I love that. That is a, a great signal. Very unscientific, but you know what? <laughs> it, there's truth to it. There totally. is something to be said about the the Monday dread. And like, I remember talking one time about like, well, Friday night Rachel feels this way, and Sunday night Rachel feels this way, and yeah. it shouldn't be that way. So, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, and there may be science somewhere, but we'll just go with it.
1: <laughs> yes, right? I'm sure there's a lot of research that that backs up my my Sunday night feeling. but um but I really had to take a step back and assess what it was, the the work I was doing, um my team structure. So I know mm-hmm. we'll talk a little bit about that, my team sure, structure, yeah, sure. the work I was doing, and what I realized was I either need to go get a job a sales job, because that's my background, or I need to figure out this entrepreneur thing. And I started to go down the path of actually looking for a job. And after probably Mm -hmm. about 30 days of doing that, I realized that wasn't what I really wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That was for me a little bit of an easy way out, if you will. And what I really wanted and needed to do was to figure out how to make my business better. And so slowly, it took, took two or three years but as I evaluated, what are the things I love to do? Which is uh, sales, leadership, writing, speaking, uh, teaching, training, all of those mm-hmm. things, consulting. I said, you know what? I need to get back to doing those things. And that was kind of the those were the small steps I took seven, eight, nine years ago to get to where I am now. So, uh, so if anybody, if anyone is feeling that way, who's out there watching or listening to this you can absolutely make changes in your business. It's not going to be overnight, but you can get it to where you want it to be.
0: Yeah, for sure. And how was growing your team a part of that? Because I think a lot of that can be, well, these are the things in my business that I don't want to do, but yet they need to be done. So I want to hear your perspective though. So what part of growing your team, because you're a sole Person like you are what you sell in your you know in your business. You do the training. You are the face. You are the the product, so to speak. And what did that look like for you to provide that change and that relief through a team?
1: There were a couple of things, and mm-hmm. uh, and I'll back up by saying, you know, my team has had a lot of different uh, iterations, if you will. Yes, I've had right. I have had W two employees. I've had ten ninety nines. Um, so I've had a mix, so I've uh, done just different team structures over the years. What it looks like today is I'm the sole employee of my business, and I purposefully designed it that way. Mm -hmm. So no matter what your particular business might look like, it's worthwhile to take a step back to say, all right, does my team structure look the way I really want it to look? And so for me, Mm -hmm. to your point, I'm the sole employee of the business. I am the face of the business. And I love it that way. However, I have a great team behind me because uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of get this this idea that I have to do it all, or I should do it all, or I want to do it all. Yes, yeah, so you're, you're I laughing. agree. You, I understand. You know, you know where I'm going with this, right? So <laughs> I really had to look at myself to say, what are the things I love to do? Like, how can I structure my day? Mm-hmm. And how can I surround myself with really awesome people who are great at what they do? So, yeah. so that's why, um, and I don't know if you mentioned this in, in the introduction, but I'm a client of Check Off Your List, and there, there's a reason why I'm a client of Check Off Your List off your list because I can surround myself with people who have those great supporting operational skills that help me to be better. So so I have um, I have a, a marketing director who um, works with me uh, very part time. Mm-hmm. She also owns her own business. I have a business development person who also owns her own business that works for me very part time. I have some training designers and developers who are also part-time, and I contract them on a project basis. And then I have my, my what I call my back-end um, administrative uh, services help that help mm-hmm. me do those tasks that are important, but I am not good at them and I won't get to them. So it's taken me a while to get here, but I've designed the team that, that I love having.
0: And that is great. And. To your point, every business looks different. The way we structure it looks different. And what works for each business owner is different. And I went on a journey of making my business look several different ways as well, trying all different things and found what worked. And I'm glad you found what worked. And it is a trial and error, ideally from listening to other people and asking questions and sorting through, you know, what other people have done, people can sort of fast track some of that and gain from other people's experience. That's one reason why we're we're talking right now. So I think that is wonderful that you're able to, to structure your team in a way that worked for you, where you're the sole employee, then you have contractors and businesses that support you in the various ways that meet your need, which is awesome. And I think that's a great way to do it, especially when you are the face of your business and you are the product and you love it. Which is, which is exactly where you want to be then. And so I'm curious, being the sales expert that you are, and that I am not, <laughs> I have questions. <laughs> I would love, love to, to know, do <laughs> <laughs> what does it look like to sell when you're not a salesperson, when you are a self-diagnosed, not salesperson, but yet here you are as a business owner forced into the seat of selling? What, what do
1: you have for us? <laughs> All right, mm-hmm. so let's break that down a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah, there, there's often a question that I get asked, which was, uh, you know, and I still get asked as a consultant, you know, what's what's the number one skill that that you that you need as a consultant sure. or a business owner? And my answer, always unequivocally, is you need to learn how to sell. You need you need the skills of selling, and mm-hmm. I feel very fortunate that that was a skill that I have built you know, early in my career mm-hmm. that I've been able to bring with me. But if that's not your situation, that doesn't mean you can't learn the skills and you can't learn to love the skills. Yeah, um for sure. So so if you, as, as the face of the business, and especially if you are in more early stages of your business, mm-hmm. may, perha- perhaps you are a new business, you are maybe putting a new product or service out into the marketplace, you as the business owner have... The passion and the drive, and the enthusiasm, and the knowledge of your particular area of expertise—all of that that's very contagious. It is, <clears throat> and yes, and and when people meet you, and you're working with prospective clients or current clients, all of that translates. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do also have to build the skills of being able to determine what are the right markets for you to be spending your time in who are the people that you need to be spending your time with how do you earn time with those people how do you uncover problems for to solve for them because in the end and this is this is a mindset shift for a lot of people whether you're a sales professional or you're an entrepreneur business owner sales really in its like most simplest form is identifying a problem or an opportunity that a prospective client needs to solve, and you're the person that can help them do that. You are you mm-hmm. are problem solving, you are helping someone make their business better, you're helping them make their life better, you're improving mm-hmm. their you're improving their outcomes. And when you can embrace that type of mindset and not turn it in inward, you instead turn it outward. It's a different way of thinking and it can shift the way that you think about selling, the mindset piece of it, and then building the skill side of it.
0: That makes sense. And I know when starting check off your list, I don't know that I felt that way. I more felt like people were doing me the favor by hiring me.
1: Right. <laughs> Which is right? I get so it. <laughs> wrong.
0: And, you know, 12 plus years later, I have a completely different thought about that. Like we are solving problems, and every business is but being able to confidently feel that and realize that all I'm doing is helping them that is a completely different thought process than will you please hire me will you please buy my thing will you will you do me a favor it's yeah it's a big mental shift that's been a long time in
1: coming for me and so i think yep. that that's great okay i'm really curious and i know i'm probably turning the tables by asking uh, you this question no worries but do i, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I would be interested on your perspective so you've been in business for 12 years Is there a, was there a point in time or maybe a catalyst that helped you make that shift and helped you to really say, you know what, I'm helping people solve their problems and I'm giving them options to do it. You know, I think just off the top of my head, it was
0: working with clients that weren't a good fit and Mm. realizing that I was taking whatever business I could get because it was another dollar, which fair. A lot of businesses and things start there, and I did too. But I oh, think it was realizing the wrong fit is not going to work either. And so when I realized that I could work with the people that I wanted to work with, work with the people that worked well with my company and in the way that we're structured and meshed well, then they are so grateful for what we're doing rather than us convincing them that what we're doing is helping them. Yeah. And I think that is the difference between a good client and a not so good client for check off your list. And that was when I realized, oh, no, we are doing the favor. We are helping their businesses. Hearing people say, this is amazing. I love what's happening here. I'm able to do X, Y, Z because of what you do gave me the the confidence and the understanding that, yeah, we are helping And we are doing things. And back when I was doing all of the services, that was personal, like even more than it is now, because I was literally physically helping them. I was in their business and seeing that. And now I get to do that on a much greater level with so many more businesses and the team gets to support a lot of different people. So it's very much more exponential in that feeling. And it even empowers that more as you continue to see the right clients and see how that works and benefits and the relationship is so good. So that was a somewhat of a tangent to answer your turning of the tables, but that really is what it was for me. It wasn't necessarily a moment, but it was this success feeling. It was like, I want more of that. How do I get to more of that? Because I can see the benefit.
1: Yeah. And sometimes we have to manufacture a little bit of that in our minds, especially sure, if sure, maybe sure. – um you know, we all kind of get into maybe sales slumps or yeah, maybe yeah. there's maybe there's a string of clients that, oh, these weren't quite the right fit. So as it, part of the mindset of seeing yourself as someone who is a um, a sales professional in addition to your entrepreneurial, your, your running of the business, mm-hmm. sometimes you, you have to manufacture that success and you do have to take on the mindset of success. And much of that, for me, comes down to who we're spending our time with and how we're spending our time and really seeing the sales side of it. You you have to embrace it as a positive. Um, When you embrace it as a positive from a mindset perspective, it's more motivating to build the skills Mm -hmm. and then all of that connects into creating longer term success.
0: It's a lot of the mental talk of what you're saying, like in ways, seeing yourself as the sales professional that you want to be, not necessarily what you feel or think you are. (laughs) And that is a lot of the mental talk that we have inside, as well as, like you said, the people surrounding us, surrounding ourselves with successful people who are what we want to be really anywhere in life. But in business, that is going to empower and put you in the mindset of being able to pinpoint these are my target clients. It seems like anyway, these are my target clients and this is who I want to talk to. This is who I want to sell to. They may not be my current clients and that's okay because we all get into a sales slump. We all make that deal and then it doesn't work out the way that we thought it would. And that's okay. But the figuring out of what your, re-
1: what your real client that you want to work with is part of that journey. For me, it was. Absolutely. And um, I, you're, you're hitting on something really important, which is the the power of um, knowing the markets where you want to serve mm-hmm. and identifying your ideal clients and prospective clients because there is um, there is an outbound component to mm-hmm. building your business. We cannot wait around. We, we cannot wait around for the phone to ring, for the inbound lead to come in through the website. Those are all important things like mm-hmm. you have a website that supports the business Do you have a marketing strategy? Are you, you know, if that fits your business, do you take inbound leads? But you have to be putting out um, concerted, structured effort in the sales capacity that is outbound and it's proactive, which means that, you know, beyond the mindset of the entrepreneurial mindset and the the sales mindset as the leader of the business, you have to have structures too that that support that so that you can do that outbound work and bring those customers and clients in. Yeah, for sure. Do you have thoughts on those structures and what you,
0: what you recommend in those as someone who doesn't necessarily have that in place or is trying to put that in place and just slowly figuring that out on their own?
1: there there are a few so i'm going to i'm going to touch on three or four that i find uh, foundational for any business so whether great. today is day 1 of your business or it is day 10,000 of your business mm-hmm. these are really foundational pieces that i see successful businesses have um and they're not in any particular order okay um,
0: great
1: so so the first one is when when you are when you're starting out as the entrepreneur of the business or the owner of the business you are, you are the face of the business mm-hmm. and you can continue to be the face of the business. So your selling out of the gate becomes really, really important. It, but you may ultimately decide at some point that you need help to take, you might take on a sales team. Mm-hmm. So that is where your team design and structure becomes important. Your, the, the design and structure of the entire company's team, but then the design of the sales function itself. Um, so, so for myself, I have one business development person on my team that, that okay. helps me with functions like, um, uh, some of the prospecting activities and I still do prospecting in my business. So <laughs> if anybody is curious, I absolutely do, you know, 15 years later, but I do have some help, but for the longest time it was just me. So, so one of your structures at some point could be your first sales hire and then ultimately building a sales team if that is what fits your your business model. Um, Another structure is to have a strong sales process and a strong sales methodology. They're they're different things, but they're connected. I can see that, how they would be different, but dependent on each other. Yes. So so I think of your sales process as, as a staircase. It's the set of steps that You lead a prospective customer client through together Mm -hmm. to help them make a decision whether or not you are the right fit. And it is everything from identifying a problem at the very beginning to perhaps qualifying that problem and making sure it's an actual problem to solve to taking them through your process of um, whether maybe you provide services or maybe you provide a product, how you solution. What it is that's going to solve their problem, uh, negotiating a contract, and, and ultimately asking for the business. So, so those are very um, they're they're steps that you follow through, and you're going to follow those for probably ninety percent of your opportunities.
0: I really like how you defined those as steps. Oftentimes, I hear of a sales funnel, and. Yeah. It feels like visually that the steps make more sense to me because the funnel you're like trying to force people through. And (laughs) rather than the stairs, you're helping them climb those stairs. You're helping them figure out if this is the right solution. For me, that made sense on that level.
1: That's really interesting. I had actually, you've given me a new, some new thoughts. I had not thought about it that way, but yeah, it's like you're you're kind of climbing the staircase together, and um, you know, you and, and part of part of that structure is also understanding how your customers and clients buy. What is their decision making process, mm-hmm. and how does the way in which we help them walk that staircase? Does it line up with how they like to decide? how they're going to do business with you. And and this is just one tangential aside before I get to methodology. Yeah. Um, I do a lot of assessment work with sales teams where I look at their skills of both sales leaders and sales professionals. And by far, one of the most important but challenging skills or aspects that, that that we can face maybe as an obstacle is... The way in which we make our own buying decisions gets projected onto how we sell to our clients and our prospective clients, and especially when it comes to more premium or high ticket type of items. So so a takeaway for anybody watching or listening to this is to take some time to reflect on how you go through your own decision-making processes for what you would consider to be a premium product or service. Um, because then what you can do is start to look for aha moments and how the way in which you buy can be projected into the way you sell and whether that's a constructive attribute or it's something that maybe, um, creates obstacles, uh, for our customers. Um, but, but that, that's an interesting part of the decision-making process. That was an aha moment for me to learn how the way in which I buy can, I can create, unsubconsciously create obstacles for my own buyers. Yeah, um, I can see
0: how that would happen and how that happened for me when I was more in the sales. So, yeah, I yep. think that's a that's a great thing to pinpoint and point out. Like think about this, evaluate this
1: and make changes that you need yep. to make. <laughs> yep, absolutely. And then the, the sister to sales process is sales methodology. Mm-hmm. And this is this is to me the skill side of the house. The, the strategies and the skills that you choose from and you deploy to help you um, enhance your sales process. So it might be your go-to-market strategy. It might be the verticals that you choose. It might be the skills that you build in yourself or in your teams. They, they are the things that you pick and choose from, but not necessarily in a linear way that help you move someone through the sales process to a decision. So so they're, they're different, but they're very much connected. And mm-hmm. so when I'm working with businesses, I will often work with them on process and then also their methodology and how those things combine together. Um, the last structure that I always encourage any business to have is a customer relationship management tool, uh, a mm-hmm. CRM. Yeah, And regardless of your business size, there are CRMs that are for small businesses all the way up to the largest of enterprises. The, the goal of having a CRM in place is to have this unified place where you can maintain all of your client contact data, your decision maker data, and all of your opportunity data. Um, yeah. Yeah. And the opportunities you've won, the opportunities you've lost, uh, the activities that are being done. So so even though I'm a, I'm a one-person show and I do have a business developer, we have a CRM tool. Um, I, I use a, a cloud-based tool called Nimble that's okay, uh, okay. really ideal for small to mid-sized businesses. Um, but that that is where we go all the time to strategize and to look at our opportunities and to determine who do we need to be connecting with uh, this week, this month, um, that, that that's a structure and a discipline that a lot of organizations, even large ones, don't do well. If you do this well, you adopt and adapt to a CRM and you use that, you use it consistently, you'll, you'll see improvements in the structure of your business.
0: We started
1: with an Excel
0: spreadsheet. When it was me, myself, and yeah, I doing right. this, I had an Excel spreadsheet that I put in potential leads in. And I flagged them different ways, moved them to different pages. Obviously, I then graduated to a CRM when I became aware of that. And then now we use ActiveCampaign. So yes. And the greatest benefit I found from that is the mental burden I was carrying to keep track of leads before I had a system, to remember the details about them, to remember what we had talked about, what they were interested in took so much of my mental space and effort and energy. And by putting that into a CRM and setting up the reminders and setting up the the plan, having some place to look and say, this is what my action items are for this week, I didn't have to think about it anymore. It was something that just kind of helped me move along and I could devote that thought process elsewhere. I could devote that time into activity that then moved those sales along or was revenue generating activity or whatever it was that I then redirected to. So I will echo that for sure. In my experience, that a CRM, whatever your version of that is, whatever works for you, I highly recommend. There are several, like you said, nimble. There are several even very easy, free, simple ones that you can use if you're just starting out. So yes, I love that
1: yep and and the this last structure maybe this is more of a bonus structure and it's mm-hmm. not it's not really specific to sales but it ties to sales
0: we'll take a bonus your, structure <laughs> right are
1: your your financial structures right so mm-hmm. when, when I look at the financial structures of my business I have a bookkeeper I have a CPA um but I also am very tuned into the finances of the business. Um, yes. I actually keep a spreadsheet. It's a financial dashboard that I keep in addition to you know my P and L and all of the balance sheet, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But I have a financials dashboard that I keep where I'm looking at month by month. What are what are my opportunities? Who are the clients I'm working with? When am I billing them? What's the revenue cycle like? I have a budget that I keep of all of my all the things that I'm looking to invest in for the year and all of my expenses. Mm-hmm. I know my monthly expenses. So there there is an importance of knowing your numbers so that you can tie that back to what will what is the appropriate what are the appropriate revenue levels that I need to be at for my business? How does that then translate to the number of existing customers that I need to maintain and the number of new customers that I want to add to my business. That all made my bookkeeper heart so happy. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was my background
0: before as I worked into Check Love Off it. Your List. I did payroll and bookkeeping with my mm-hmm. dad in high school for his restaurant and then worked for companies, studied it in college. And um that is exactly what I love to see people do, Our especially our bookkeeping clients at Check Off Your List. We help them to think through so much of those things because a lot of business owners don't know what they need to know. They don't know what to think about and how the numbers can really guide them and tell them what direction to go with various decisions. We're going based on a whim rather than the science. We're talking about, you know, I don't have any science behind this regarding our Sunday night feeling, but there can be for lack of a better term, science behind your business decisions when you have those numbers and it gives you confidence when you decide you're going to make this move or it helps you develop your goals and what sales you want to make because I want to add this resource to my business or I want to have these expenses to make life easier or whatever. You then know, okay, if I make this sale, then I can afford this and do that. So I I love that personally (laughs) and my own interests and what gets me excited about life. So I love to hear those those tips because they are related in their own way.
1: Your finances for your business touch every aspect of your business, whether you know it or not. And and one of the things I've really embraced is the idea that there is freedom in having structure. Mm -hmm. We need to have the underlying structures as a business owner, as an entrepreneur to create the freedom in the business. And, and sometimes that maybe can feel a little bit counterintuitive, but when you have the right structures in place, that gives you the freedom to pursue the, the new opportunity, the, the new mm-hmm. market. Um, and also as a business owner, knowing what are the things that we truly value. And, and I can give you an example from my own life. My, my number one value in my business is freedom. I love the freedom of being an entrepreneur, of being a business owner. So when I am making decisions about my business, I look through that lens to say, will pursuing this create more freedom in my business and for me, or could it create less freedom in my business and for me? So I was at a point where this was like when I shared my story earlier, when I just wasn't happy with my business. And what I realized was, and and maybe people could relate to this, I thought I was going down one path. Like you, you kind of think you're going down this path, right? And then all of a sudden you're like over here and you're like, how the heck did I get there? But, it, but it's mm-hmm. one decision after another that maybe doesn't seem important at the time that then can either keep you on the path you want to be on. It can veer you off the path, but in a really great way. Or it can veer you off the path in a way that you didn't want to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of where I was at. And when I reflected back on that, and I just, I didn't realize it at the time. It was more of a later reflection where I realized, you know, I kind of got away from my core value in my business. I, I have six or seven of them in my business, but my number one is freedom. And I was getting away from that and I was feeling trapped in my business. I wasn't feeling free in my business anymore and I was looking for a way out.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: that was a kind of a guiding. Kind of a north star for me to kind of come back to my values so so just just a little bit of an aside for for all you entrepreneurs out there just coming back to what you value most when you're making decisions about your business
0: i think that is crucial for any business owner and for my experience my business sort of took over my life And I had to have Mm -hmm. that same type of thing in my own way, in my own story, and realize wait a minute. I started my business for my own version of freedom to be able to do XYZ, spend time with my children, to homeschool, to be an actor, like these things. And my business took up all of my time that I was sending them to the nanny. I was working all evening instead of spending time with them or my husband, or I was not doing any performing at all because I was working all the time. And I had that same thought. It took my husband saying to me, this isn't sustainable. You can't keep doing this for me to go back to my core values of, wait a minute, why did I start check off your list and it wasn't to work from sunup to sundown? And so I will echo exactly what you're saying, creating those values for your business as well as your life and knowing where you wanna go, what you wanna do and does your business support your life and where you're going? And those little decisions, like you said, that seem insignificant, that don't seem to matter, they can really take you in big directions either way over time. And going back to those core values will keep you on that path. And I had to learn that the hard way. I found myself not where I wanted to be. And that's Same how I started here. building my team. <laughs> and my solution was I need to hire some people. I need help. And I was not getting help in the ways that I wanted it or needed it. So I had to evaluate what was going to provide the relief that I needed to focus where I want to be. And so I started hiring this person, that person getting services for this and that, to allow me to focus my time where I wanted to be.
1: yeah, that's um, and that's along those same lines there were two there were two things that you said that really really caught my attention, which is the first is you had somebody that pointed pointed out to you, your mm-hmm. spouse pointed out to you, "Hey, this isn't sustainable." um and that's where having those really trusted coaches, advisors you know, you you can't, you can't take advice Mm -hmm. from everybody. You'll, you'll just feel like you're running on the treadmill, but do you have a couple of people in your life personally or professionally who can Mm -hmm. gently point out when, Mm -hmm. uh, when things might not be, uh, be as they should. I, my husband is so supportive. I mean, he's, he is one of the reasons that I was able to, you know, I took the leap into entrepreneurship. Yeah and he he is my my biggest fan and cheerleader and um having those support people in your life i just i just can't say enough about um the the other thing that you talked about was like the the structure and when when to know mm-hmm. when to hire somebody and there there was some advice that a coach gave me a long time ago that has always just stuck with me and and what that what she had said was you sometimes have to make decisions from where you want to be you have to think of yourself in the future making those decisions, and not from the place where you are today, because yeah. otherwise, that can kind of be paralyzing. To say, "Oh my gosh, I don't have enough money to hire the help," or mm-hmm. maybe you're making your first sales hire, um, it, it can be intimidating out mm-hmm. of the gate. Mm-hmm. Um, so that advice of making a decision from the place where um, the place where I want to be and not where I am today has always been really helpful.
0: That is very very insightful and i had someone say something similar to me and that was essentially like make decisions where you want to be not where you are yeah a, exactly. a similar concept similar thought a different spin of the same principle <laughs> and so that is in a great way to navigate your business and to yeah. to
1: make decisions and it keeps you on track which is totally really hard yeah. and and when it comes to hiring a salesperson um just to, just to talk about this structural piece um it can be really tempting to hire a salesperson or a sales leader out of the gate to say, Oh well, I, I need more sales. I need to hire a salesperson. Mm-hmm.
0: It seems and like that, a logical
1: progression, <laughs> right? But it can often be a really big, expensive mistake. Um, mm-hmm. I when I'm talking to other business owners or entrepreneurs, Um, I work with, I work with corporate sales teams primarily for my living, but when I'm talking to other entrepreneurs and business owners, I will often talk about this. And my, my thoughts for them are to, you need to sell your product or service first. You, you need to commit to being the selling face of your business, especially as you're starting out. So Mm -hmm. you can, so you can really work with your customers and clients. And then down the road, you get to that point where you need to make that first hire. But a lot of people make the hire out of the gate and then a year later they've they have invested five, six figures into the hire and they have not gotten the return on investment for a lot of different reasons. I've made that mistake myself. Um, yeah. And so it it's just it's just a tale of caution and to be thinking about um get your business to a point where you have reliable revenues and then make that make those choices about who you might add from a sales capacity. I think also along that
0: same vein, when you do something yourself before you outsource it, like hiring a salesperson would be a form of outsourcing in its own yeah. way. It, just depending on what you call it, hire an employee, having people help you with your business. By doing it first, you can figure out some of the kinks and things, some of the basic core things that you need to communicate rather than having someone else kind of struggle and fumble with you. It makes it more expensive to fumble through that with someone else. So oftentimes slowing down, working through it and be like, okay, I now know these are our target audience. These are the people that we want to work for. This is what I like doing. Figuring out some of those things. Now you bring in a salesperson and they can improve those. They can make those better, especially if they're experienced at what they do. They can improve what you have set up. But if you have a basic idea and process of this is what's worked in the past, it gives them a head
1: start, which ideally would temper some of that investment. And this is where knowing your numbers becomes very important. And you're, yes. you, look, you look at your P&L and you understand where your profit profitability mm-hmm. is at. What would be your break even for that higher um, or that outsource, whatever whatever it looks like. So knowing your numbers becomes even more important when you're making a big hire like a salesperson. Yeah. Well, Amy, it has been
0: wonderful talking with you today. I have learned so much from your insight as we've just kind of talked back and forth about sales and what's worked for you. And some of your, your helpful tips have been right on point from my experience and things that I want to continue to incorporate and do for my company. And so I would love to let people know where to find you online. So they can, you know, follow you on social media, gain from those tips, or, you know, just kind of look into what you have going on and how they might glean from from your things. So, how can people find you, or what is the best way for them to keep up with you after listening to this?
1: Yeah, so so I'll point you to two places. Uh, the first is over to my website at amyfranco a, a great way to to engage out of the gate is um, my through my book, The Modern Seller. Um, mm-hmm. there's information out on the website about the book and also a lot of free resources out there that, uh, that are available to you. So that would be the first place. And then the yes, second I place- Yes, I definitely wanted to make sure you mentioned your book. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> so that people you. can find that and read it. It's quite yep. the v- valuable resource. Oh, uh, thank you so much. Yep. So that's a great way to get to know me and, uh, and put some of those sales skills to use in your business. And then, um, secondarily, you're welcome to reach out to me on LinkedIn and, uh, send me, send me an invite and let me know that you heard me on, uh, Rachel's podcast. All right. That's wonderful. Thank you so much, Amy, for talking with me today. Thank you, Rachel. It was great to be here.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a five-star rating on your streaming platform of choice and make sure to check out our show notes at C-O-Y-L with You'll find the resources from all of our episodes right there. This podcast is brought to you by Check Off Your List.